come to this uh, uh, last Sunday of the Epiphany and uh, have, as we always have, is the, the reading of the Transfiguration of Jesus on the mountain with Peter and James and John. We hear it Matthew, Mark, Luke's Gospel year after year. So it really is um, that that moment from, from now on uh, as Jesus comes down from this mountain that he heads toward Jerusalem. So all of the, all of the, the ministry where he went from town to town and preaching and healing and we rush through the immediately of all of that um, happened in you know, those couple few years um, in the first eight chapters of Mark's Gospel and now in, in chapter 9 through the rest of it we're really in those last days of the ministry of Jesus. Um, from now on, when he comes down, he's heading toward the cross. And so we always um, lead into the season of Lent, the, the season of, of passion of our Lord Jesus Christ this time after uh, this reading, the sort of bookends, um, the baptism of Jesus, where we hear the voice of the Father, Behold, this is my Son, whom I well please, um, to um, voice of the Father of Transfiguration, uh, behold, this is my son, listen to him. Uh, so we have both of these sort of manifestations of, of the Trinity, um, which, is, which is very clear in the baptism where the Spirit lit on him like a dove, less clear in, um, in the Transfiguration where it's like a cloud enveloping the Spirit of God there. So, uh, but, in both, but in both places, that but we'll get to that. We'll go back a little bit to, to the reading from Elijah and Elijah, which is which is a good sort of setup um, for for our own our own lives and, and being the heirs that we talk about seems like all of the time that we are heirs of God's glory and heirs of the kingdom of God and heirs of, of Christ Jesus, um, and we really see that sort of sort of foreshadowed here in, in the Old Testament where, where Elijah, Elijah simply did such a great job reading Elijah and Elisha. Um, <laughs> it was very clear um, there, there uh, what was going on this uh, week. And uh, Elijah the prophet who's, who's uh, the prophet who might remember um, from, from Sunday school and vacation Bible school, the great story where Elijah slayed the prophets of Baal and all that. That's that Elijah. He's coming here to the end of his the end of his days. And you remember he was the one at the cave who basically was complaining that nobody but him was left. Everybody else is gone. He's the only person that still worships God in the whole entire universe. And woe was him. And God had to be like, all right, settle down. Drop the weed a little bit. Um, there's lots, there's 7,000 more people that aren't doing that. And Elisha's one of them, and he's going to be the heir apparent. And so now we get to this, this part where Elisha is being taken up in the chariots. And, and it's a great scene um, because, because what's happening is, is he, uh, as Elisha keeps trying to dump Elisha, into like seminaries, right? He's like, why don't you go to Candler, right? <laughs> right? Or why don't you go to Oral Roberts University?
actually go to the University of South. I mean, he keeps trying to dump them in these sort of religious institutions, these prophet schools. And Elisha's like, no, I'm going to stay with you. I don't need to go to school to know who you are. It's not to say that's the commission on ministry did not approve of this, uh, this type of, of behavior. But Elisha was, was just going to follow Elijah. And every time they get to one of these schools, the prophets would say, you know, your master's going to be taken from you. And Elisha said, yeah, shut up. I already know. Uh-huh. Um, and so every time they get there until finally they're watching him go across the Jordan. And, and Elijah asks for that double portion of, or a double share of, of his ministry, which does not mean he wants twice as much of his prophetic power. What it means is, is he wants to be the heir. When you receive a portion uh, in, in, in those days, and, you know, the, what would happen is, you know, you have five children, divvying up then your, your estate into six portions, and somebody gets a double portion, that's because they're taking care of the whole extended family, and they're responsible for all the extended family. So it isn't that they're getting necessarily more, they're getting more because they're the one who's going to carry on the air and take care of, of everybody, all the cousins and aunts and uncles and all the rest of them. And so that's what, that's what a double portion, double share means that you're going to be an heir. Um, as I said, this is sort of like a foreshadowing, right? Because Elijah, this is the hard thing you're asking, but if you see um, being taken up into heaven, then you'll know that that is for you. And, and indeed, um, that's what happens. And, and Elijah gets that, that uh, mantle sort of transferred to him in this prophetic ministry of, of being the father of Israel. And um, it's something else to say, but I can't remember. I've left my brain uh, about that. But um, it is um, sort of this, this powerful transference that takes place. I know it's to say, Elijah already knew this, right? This is another one of those things like God already said, Elijah's going to be in the air, but he's still not going to tell him from person. But you know, keep that to yourself. Um, but it's, but it is, it's, it's, Again, um, as we as we move into into this scene on the Mount of Transfiguration, um, how how this does again shift greater to us as, as being heirs of the kingdom of God. And so um, this is so six day. I don't know if, we, if the gospel reading it says six days. It says in the Bible six days if you're following along. Six days later. Six days later from what? Six days later from um, Peter's confession and Jesus basically saying that he will be turned over to the handed over and, and crucified on the third day where he's going. So three days after that, six days after that whole, that whole time, um, now Jesus is taking Peter and James and John up onto the mountain. Right. Um, and while they're there, um, Jesus is about by the cloud and, and he begins to radiant white um, and Moses and Elijah appears with him and Peter in great Peter fashion says this is awesome we should sell tickets right like let's set up some booths like this could be a holy shrine this could be a 
a great pilgrimage spot um, for people to come to. Uh, but, but even at all, I mean, you just, or we should just stay here, or it's really just connecting to another feast as well, which, you know, we do all of the time, right? You know, we're always taking things and making part of our, our feasts and, you know, what they are. I mean, tradition and this and that. I mean, you, can, you can't have midnight mass without candles and singing silent night. <laughs> no, it will count if you did that, right? So it's the same type of thing that, that Peter's doing, but he's just speaking. You know, he's not a preacher, he just has to talk. I think that's just something you just have to do that. You, know, you just have to say something, break the silence, and break the, the um, whatever's going on. Because, as it says, they're a lot more gracious than Peter and Mark's gospel, I think, than, than he wrote the system. Because they didn't know what he's saying because they were terrified. Which is a good thing, right? You're like, you're terrified. This is, this, you're, you're in awe as Jesus is, is glowing bright white Moses and Elijah are next to him and, and you don't have any idea what to say. The importance of this is, for, for us is, again, this, this whole aspect of, of epiphany season of, of something being made manifest, God's glory being made manifest, God's, God's glory being manifest in uh, the baptism, God's glory being manifest in the healings, God's glory being manifest through star, God's glory being manifest to the world through changing water to wine, all of these, all of these aspects in which God's glory comes into the world, that God's glory is shining out of Jesus. Um, why we say Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is not, he's not like the moon. The sun is not reflecting off of him and he has this bright light. He is the one through whom the light of God comes. So he is shining brightly into our lives and as we pray in prayer, so may we be changed into his likeness. Through that, we may have that same Transfigurement in our lives that we might be transformed um, and, and be made holy and shine brightly in the glory of God through the Spirit which lives in us. This is the, the glorious aspect. Um, and then it also does Elijah and God and Jesus and Peter and James and John go back down the mountain. As he said, it's time to go. It's time head toward Jerusalem. It's time to head toward the cross. It's time for, for that, that glorification, as, as John says, to take place. That Jesus may be glorified. He's not glorified by becoming a king um, and taking over Caesar's palace or anything like that. He becomes a king by being enthroned on a cross. And so this is where we leave. Um, coming up, beginning, beginning Wednesday. I'll say many of these things, or some of the things I say on, on Wednesday um, again. Um, but as we as we get to this this Lenten season, um, leave behind this this season of God being made manifest. You know, I, there's there's really there's more there's more than a couple of different personalities. They talk about. 
we are going to be focusing on connecting with God or our connections with God over land, but also it's going to be our theme throughout the year because the, the, the long, the short of it is that we have, we each have different personalities, we each have different ways we connect with God. We each have different ways where, where we um, feel God's presence most, mostly, and some feel it through, you know, being quiet, centering the prayer, meditation, or being out in nature and experiencing the glory of God there. Some people feel it best through, through praise and singing and dance and, and the arts. Others feel it through traditional liturgy and prayers like the Book of Common Prayer and others through activism and others through journaling. And so there's a, there's a variety of ways that we want to, we want to um, sort of draft, you know, at least hit a lot of those ways not just during Lent, but, it, but also to encourage you to, to test out some of those, either ones that, that don't speak to you always, or, or find one that really does speak to you more and invest in that. And, and really feel, feel good about it, because I think lots of times Lent is not just giving up something, but then returning to taking on something. And so a lot of times it's like, why don't you why don't you read the Bible, the whole thing, in 40 days for your length of discipline? Or why don't you do, you know, we, we, we put our this big, big onerous, onerous law on ourselves, um, which I'm pretty sure Jesus said stop doing, and Paul said stop putting this whole thing on you. But it, it's good to take up our discipline. Um, and that could just be being quiet for five minutes a day. Well, that could just be writing in a journal. Or it could be volunteering out in the world. Or it could be, you know, the, the, the options are endless. I, I just um, encourage you to just pray and think about those things in which, which God does, which God is leading you into. I think the, the, the Transfiguration story as, as a whole is a great image anyway because Jesus, Jesus goes up onto the mountain to pray, spends some time there for a little bit, and then he comes down. Right? We're not meant to stay up on the mountain forever. But we're also not meant to never go up the mountain. Right? And so for some of us, our personalities are we want to be on the mountain all the time. Um, for other of us, our personalities are we will repel off the mountain. We can't get off the mountain fast enough. Right? I mean, we're just like, you know, like just jump off like Mission Impossible to the parachute. I'm just going to knock you on this mountain. Um, so I'd really just, just invite you to, in this, this time, to, to spend just a few minutes just asking God in, in different ways. What ways um, can I draw near to you? In what ways? And I experience your radiance, your glory, mostly that I might be transformed into your likeness more. Because that's the goal. The goal is to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus, to take on that mantle that we've been given, that we are heirs. We've been given a double portion. We've been given a double share. Each of us, very confusing. Right? It's very confusing because I want more. 
I should get more than Wayne, for heaven's sakes. <laughs> or I should get more than this person. But God has given us all a double portion, right? So we all have like a double portion because we're all heirs of the kingdom of God. And so how do we use that portion that we've been given? How do we shine brightly in the world? How do we shine brightly to our family and friends? How do we shine brightly to those around us? How do we reflect God's transfigured glory? And how are we changed from within that, that we might be drawn nearer and nearer to God? This is the invitation that God wants for us to not just to shine brightly in the world, but to shine brightly that we might know God more and more and more and experience that. Because if we only are giving, 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 and never taking and receiving, we're going to drive very quickly. So we need both to receive that light of love of God and shine brightly, that light of return. And indeed, this light, and onward, God be made manifest through us. God, that, that the world around us may have an epiphany of who Jesus is, the living God who's been the light and the Savior that draws us. In.